everyone, I am here in the church office with the one and the only Dulcinea Lambert and Sharon Nickel. And today we are going to talk about the Churches of Christ podcast. This is a reflection podcast. There's been a bunch of great episodes, some interviews with some amazing people. And so now this week we're going to pause and kind of talk about some of the things that were said. Let it simmer, uh, things that stood out with the interviews and maybe some of the implications that it means for the here and now. And uh, don't worry, we have some amazing interviews in the works. In fact, I have some interviews this week. And so we will resume some of the interviews coming up in the coming weeks. And they're going to be great, great conversations, continuing the conversation on the Church of Christ. But before we begin and kind of hear their reflections, I do have Dulcinea and Sharon with me. I'd love to just for them to share with you all as listeners their spiritual story where they grew up, going to church, and how they first became connected with the Churches of Christ. Sharon, would you mind uh, kicking us off? Sure. Um, Again, my name is Sharon Nickel. Uh, I am a native of Dallas, and I grew up attending Midway Hills Disciples of Christ Church. Disciples of Christ. So this, so this is one of the churches. If you haven't, uh, if you remember from the prior episode, we're cousins. The Disciples of Christ and the Churches of Christ. We come from the same spring. The Restoration Movement. Barton Stone, Alexander Campbell. They were instrumental in what is now the Disciples of Christ Church and the Christian Church and also the Churches of Christ. So how did you become connected with the Churches of Christ? Well. I have to attribute that to Chuck Adair, who brought me in as an employee. Um, In 2015, uh, I would have never picked the Church of Christ as my home church. (laughs) It picked me. Um, Having grown up in the Disciples Church, coming to the Church of Christ seemed quite different. What what was the reputation? I mean, from someone who grew up in the Disciples of Christ, and when you heard of a Church of Christ, like, what were the thoughts, images? What was the reputation? The very first thing that came to my mind was the Frozen Chosen. The (laughs) the Frozen Chosen? The Frozen Chosen. That's the first time I've heard that. Like, what does that mean, the Frozen Chosen? I know what it means. Church of Christers believe they're the only ones going to heaven. Oh, yeah. That's, you're right. There was that history. And um, that really raised the hair on the back of my neck however Mm -hmm. I became very open-minded that's why I was so intrigued by the podcast uh, interview with Richard Hughes who gave us a beautiful history on how the split occurred between the Church of Christ and the Disciples of Christ Mm. I want to hear more on that uh, because I want to hear your thoughts on kind of the split and before we get to there, I wanted to also uh, introduce our our second panelist as well to kind of give her story and her your spiritual history. Where did you grow up going to church, and how did you first become introduced to the Churches of Christ? Yeah, um, I was raised in the Catholic Church, and I was not raised in Dallas, so I can't even remember the name of the parish that we were going to before we came to Dallas, but when we got to Dallas, we started going to St. Monica pretty quickly. Um, And I found out about the Church of Christ because I married Cale Lambert, and he uh, was raised in the Church of Christ, and one of my first experiences was Cale's brother's wedding, was at Graymere Church of Christ in 
Colioca, Tennessee. Represent. Man, honk your horn if you've ever been there. <laughs> but honk your I'll horn. tell you what I remember about it is that um, her bridesmaids weren't even, were not allowed to like do any readings um, because. Oh, wow. And I remember being yeah. like, what? What's going on? Why? And uh, was kind of told about the history mm-hmm. and kind of some of our, tra- you know, now I say our traditions. Yes. Um, did you have any, growing up, did you have any knowledge of the Churches of Christ? Like no. if someone said, I go to the Church of Christ, what would you have said? What's that? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. I mean, I knew, and I, I've said this to quite a few people, but I think now, hindsight's twenty twenty. but my mom it just, I think out of desperation, would kick us out during the summer to go to vacation Bible school at the Baptist Church. <laughs> and I really think that that, between that and they were involved in something called Marriage Encounter, which... If you go to a life group, that's what a marriage encounter um, meeting was. You know, they got together and ate. Yes, yes. And um, just kind of showed up in each other's lives and helped help them raise the kids. So I think between those two experiences, it laid the foundation of me kind of knowing that there was another way to do mm-hmm. a relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe subconsciously I was looking for that. But, yeah, I found it through through Kale. I had never heard of the Church of Christ before. Wow. <laughs> and just someone who's kind of been in there as an adult, what are some things that you've really appreciated about the Church of Christ? And, and I'm also going to ask you some things that are, have been confusing for you. Yeah. Um, I appreciate the community. Um, there's such loving people. Um, I appreciate the beautiful music. I mm-hmm. like um, the acapella. Um and um, I really like the one of the things that kind of sold me, if you will, um, and I don't think I was being pitched to, but I really loved when I heard that dads or moms or anyone can baptize um, mm. their children or, you know, people in their community because I just thought that makes so much more sense to me. Yes. Like I, yes. to have a moment where you know, hopefully, knock on wood, with the, with the help of God, one day watch Kale baptize Jax. I mean, wow. that's wow. it right there. Wow. Yes, that's right. That's right. Be still my heart. That's, yeah. That, yeah. That's, right. that's going to be Instagram post right there. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> be still my yeah. heart. I'll probably buy a new outfit. So, uh, Sharon, I mean, someone uh, also who inter- was introduced to the Church of Christ as a child but started attending the church as an adult. What are some of the things that you've appreciated within this spiritual community? And also, as a side question, what are some things that have been kind of question? Actually, you didn't answer that, Dulcinea. Yeah. We may talk about that a little bit later, okay. but uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> one of the things right off the bat that really attracted me was how in depth uh, the the teachers are mm. and the mm. education that I've received uh, in studying the new or the old and new testament. Which I had never done before in mm-hmm. my church. We didn't have Bible studies. We had classes and we would discuss topics. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I didn't like it at first, the a cappella singing has become dear to me. Mm-hmm. It was very, very foreign at first. Yeah. I grew up with pipe organs and choirs yeah. and liturgical dance and um, cool. so uh, that has been quite uh, a surprise to me that I, I really, really enjoy that. What has been troubling for me is the role that women get to play. Mm. Um, I can't say I agree with it. Mm. Um, I don't have an argument, mm-hmm. but I do know that it 
it's it doesn't settle with me mm. yeah um, and I think there needs to be more discussion around that topic mm. although it's probably been beat to death uh, I still feel like we have a long way to go that's really good yeah. well put I mean, and Dulcinea I didn't give you I cut you out before you could answer anything that comes to mind as far as questions or anything that stood out to you is why, why, why is it like this well um, I mean just I would say I feel like everyone's had um, deeper maybe more meaningful experiences this past year since we have had so less distraction yeah. and I do find John Mark that the more I learn the more questions I have of course and yeah. so I kind of feel myself at this place right now of like um, peace and grace have taken a higher priority for me mm. than understanding every little thing profound man put that on a bumper sticker mm-hmm. <laughs> peace, and, peace grace and grace have taken a higher man that is profound stuff Dulcinea I just came up with that yeah know. well you need to you, that's that could be an inspirational that uh, post yeah. <laughs> that's good stuff well, let's go back to the the podcast as well, because I uh, these two women that I'm speaking with, they are also avid note takers. Uh, they they take notes either on the phone or I know Sharon has some post-it notes here from some of these interviews, and I'm just kind of curious. You know, we're kind of in the middle of two blocks of interviews, and I wanted to speak to some of the listeners who have been listening and digesting and kind of processing all these conversations. And I would imagine that some of the questions that they have, some of the things that have stood out to them are the same things that you have been wondering about and questioning. And so I thought we'd open it up and just have an honest, frank conversation about some of the things that have been appreciated, some of the questions or concerns that may have been voiced. And uh, Sharon, I think prior we talked about maybe you kicking us off with some of your notes. Is there anything that that really, uh, mm-hmm. that on your notes about any of these interviews that, uh, that, that stood out to you that you kind of want to talk about more? Yeah, the uh, podcast with Richard Hughes was highly educational for me, and it made me wonder how many um, true Church of Christ members have really studied the history mm. and, and know these details, um, because it's not talked about in circles. Yes. Um, he begins by educating us on the four restoration movements, Campbell Stone, and then he moves to Jones and Smith, James Kelly and the Shakers mm. uh, in England. Mm. And then he takes us into the 1906 split. Uh, And I've got down here in my notes to restore primitive and unity of all Christians. Mm. Uh, At the time of the Civil War, that's what divided the churches. The disciples of Christ uh, were more progressive Mm -hmm. and, and concentrated in the northern states. The independent Christian church was the more conservative, mm-hmm. which was not too surprising to me. Mm. But the one thing that really, really uh, shocked me, and I was talking about acapella music earlier, acapella music was birthed at the time of the Civil War out of necessity. Mm-hmm. No one had enough money to buy instruments. Mm-hmm. Instruments. So the absence of instruments was due to the poverty level. Wow. And I thought, wow, okay, no wonder I like it so much. <laughs> you know? Um, That's so interesting that he brings it up because I think uh, many of us who've grown up in the Church of Christ, you know, we, we think the origin of this decision comes back all the way to, you know, thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it is true that there were 
churches meeting that were a cappella, but probably for the same reason, because of lack of resources. I mean, if you think about these first yeah. churches that were meeting in homes in the first century in the ancient Near East, I mean, number one, there was persecution. So you don't think that you're gonna, you know, be banging a tambourine yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Um, right. But but number two, I think we we forget how blessed we are monetarily to the point where even instruments, they're they're not a luxury. They're just everyone has them now where this is not something that history has shown is, is available to everyone and I think it's it's important I think when we talk about acapella music which I thought it was interesting how you both appreciate yeah. that within the heritage but let's be honest about it right like let's not say that we're doing this so that God uh, it, we're appeasing God because God only likes acapella music I, I think and I think sometimes the narrative has been that way. Yeah. But if if we are just honest and say, hey, this is actually I just like it. This is a it's a uh, type of music that was birthed from extreme poverty. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a powerful symbol as well of when you have people that come just with their bodies and their voices. Mm-hmm. Something that's bigger beautiful. than themselves yeah. can come. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. When I heard it. Um, I didn't. I don't know who did what. What podcast? I listened to them all, but I don't know yes. which one was Richard mm-hmm. and which one was Landon. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I heard that, I was kind of talking to a friend of mine, and she said to me immediately, she said, "Well, my husband will pull up in the Bible where it's biblical, the yeah. acapella singing." And I had yeah. heard that before, mm-hmm. um, but that was kind of her retort when I brought this podcast up, and so it made me kind of do a simple Google search, and it it's this. Um, I didn't realize it, but it's like a letter that someone put out to a Church of Christ preacher. Yeah. Or no, to a non-Church of Christ preacher, but this guy was from the Church of Christ, and he's like lays out all the verses, right? Um, yeah. And then he says, you know, hi, Frank. Yeah, I'm familiar with all those verses, and your note reveals the problem in Church of Christ theology. And I'm like, what? I didn't oh, mean to, man. Yeah, I didn't you mean still to stumble on that, but he said, <laughs> which I, this makes sense to me, that you know the problem that he says is the problem mm-hmm. is that church christ we plonk down a verse and walk away and go point proven yes and he's saying yeah. that we're not taking those contextually at mm. all and so yeah. for instance the first one he looks at is like ephesians five nineteen and says yes. paul never we don't know that he was talking to a congregational worship service in fact they don't even know that the ephesians were meeting together yeah yeah and so my thought process on that is that one doesn't have to be wrong or right, but yeah, just yeah. being an admission of yeah. maybe this is where we started, but this is why it continues to work for us. Man. Why is that a, not an answer? Why yeah. is that, you know? Yeah. And so I think that perpetuating that falsehood of like, this is what we're supposed to be doing and everyone else is doing it wrong. Yeah. That has caused yeah. more problems, what I see. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think we need to move away from the days as a fellowship where we say that we're acapella because the Bible tells us yeah. so. Because it is true that you can look at Ephesians and you can look at Colossians and there's these verses that say, you know, you should use, you should speak in Psalms mm-hmm. and hymns. And, you know, it is true that those words are uh, in the co- in the context are acapella words, you know, they're, they're, they're not tied to an instrument per se. So there's an mention. But if you look at the context that like this guy's saying, it's not talking about the worship assembly. It's talking about the lifestyle. It's talking about walking. It's it, The whole chapter is about how you live your life. Yeah, and I, I thought of, and it immediately took me to something else that um, we've been doing here at Skillman just recently is talking about this Carl Spain Center. Mm. And so I was try- listening to Jerry, I don't know his last name. but he Oh, Jerry is, Taylor. Jerry Taylor. 
and he's on he's all over YouTube. You guys can find him pretty easily. But he said that there's a famous quote by Dr. Carl Spain that says, "We see evil as good when it accomplishes our goals, and we see good as evil when it obstructs our path to power." Now, I don't think that that's necessarily this situation. It's not evil. Yes. Yes. But. Um, you know when it when it makes sense and it and it's gonna back you up then all of a sudden it's like this you know <laughs> yeah it's biblical but you know it when you disagree I don't think then, it has to be yeah um, and it's interesting that we're talking about this with two women who in the onset really appreciate the acapella music when I asked about <laughs> what it was yeah. within churches of Christ you both mentioned the singing yeah. And so it's interesting that you're both you know, pro acapella. You're not yeah. against it. But I think what we're getting on to, let's, let's be honest, right? Let's right. be honest mm-hmm. with the reason. Yeah. If the reason is because this is the heritage, the tradition, man, that's a great reason. But I think we as a church, and I think these interviews have brought out, we need to stop trying to justify acapella through scripture and saying that those that don't Seeing a cappella yeah. are living in sin. I think that those days are, right. are way are way yeah. gone. Right? And it's like it doesn't take away from anything to say we started here, but we're continuing it because we love it. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. thinking about spiritual gifts, and I'm thinking mm. about a young boy in the pews that has picked up a guitar recently and is really feeling it. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to sing and play the guitar and praise God. Yes. You know, and that right mm. there, that would be an, an issue where it becomes an evil. You yeah. Know? Like you're yeah. actually suppressing this boy's spiritual gift. Yes. Um, that's kind of taking it down the road, but that's where that that little white lie mm-hmm. can turn into a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's, that's a great point. And what else? Anything else in the interviews? Because that was a great conversation about acapella music and it, it frees us to really call it what it is. It's a beautiful thing. It's a part of our heritage that should be celebrated and honored. And it's actually a pretty unique thing compared to other uh, churches just to have a church in 2021 that still sings a cappella. But I think we just need to be honest why we yeah. do it. And also be gracious and understanding of churches or people who don't sing a cappella and be okay with it. Uh, I think it's... Well, and I think... One last thing I think about specifically about that is like that's a little bit of a humble story, right? Mm-hmm. The, the reason we started, yeah, because um, we didn't have musical instruments. All of the musical instruments were burnt, were melted down. I think yeah. he goes into some detail about yeah. um, not only did we not have money to buy them, but there weren't any around. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a humble story, and I don't. When I think about the Church of Christ, it's not really the first place I go. It's like a humble story. Yeah. What else yeah. is a really humble story? The story of Jesus. Ooh, preach right? it. So it's Come uh, on now. There's kind of this wanting to stay at arm's length away from, um, but but that's the answer. And, yes. and I think that there'd be more people in the pew if we had a little bit of a humbler story. Man, I like that. I like that. What you guys think of Lyndon Saunders' interview? Anything stand out Ooh, to you on that one? Good stuff good stuff and the thing that really stuck out about his podcast for me was his comparison to of ecclesiology versus christology Ooh, tell us more about that and where we are an ecclesi ecclesiology group we should turn that around and be more christology mm. meaning christ versus ecclesiology which stands for the church. And um, through his whole podcast, he talks about getting back to the human being, that no human being is indispensable. There was that last line that he gave to, towards the end of the interview where he said something about how, I can't remember it exactly, but it's something along the lines of, we, uh, 
in order to get to our a, a great understanding of being a human, which is anthropology, we, yes. we've begun with a theology. That's right. But he's suggesting that we start with an anthropology, and that will lead Turn us towards... Turn around. Yeah, yeah, I have that written yeah, down. Yeah, what does it say on your notes, just so we have it? Yeah, no, I just have exactly that. We are theology mm-hmm. to anthropology when we should be focusing on our anthropology and then into theology, yeah, just I mean, like you said. What do you guys think that means, like, on a practical level? I well, mean, I think that gets us back to the human being mm, on a more human, personal level. Mm, um, I think theology, theology constricts us too much. Mm, um, I don't think it allows us to see the whole human being based on how we interpret or read or apply scripture in our life. And, and to, I mean, to add to what you're saying, I mean, theology is uh, the unknown, right? Like you can never fully know who God is. It's, it's an, an incomplete process. Like God is so big, God is, my, God is beyond our comprehension, so there's no way that this is something that we're gonna master. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, why would you begin with that? Well, maybe we, we begin what we know, and then yeah. that really teaches us about who the divine is. It makes me think about um, last week when we were talking about our kids and and you said, you know, I'm the more and more I think about it, it's not um, like it's a journey, mm-hmm. right? And it's this um, willingness to just continue to learn. And I think a lot of us think that we get to a place and we're done learning. And while it's, you know, one of the things, if I could go back and say another thing that I appreciate Church of Christ has given me, it's given me more of a relationship with the Bible, meaning mm-hmm. I'm cracking mm-hmm. the Bible more than yes. I did before, and yeah. um, because they gave us what is called missalettes um, growing up, but um, but you can't stay there. Mm-hmm. You can't stay there mm-hmm. because then it makes me think about the quote that Sharon and I were looking at last week that, you know, why do so many highly educated people lack basic empathy? Mm-hmm. And it just... it you get fooled into thinking it's enough mm. and it's not enough. Mm-hmm. We need Brene Brown as much as we need Dr. Fauci. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. matters of the heart can't be solved in the brain sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that we're not doing anything wrong. We just have so much more we could be doing. That's strong. We can't stay in the Bible. I mean, it's definitely a needed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. fundamental mm-hmm. part of all of this, but, um, we need to trust our humanity a little bit, right? And like, um, love God and your neighbors. Wow. And then what did Landon say? He said, then he just took God out of it. And he said, just love your neighbor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I love it, man. And, and one of the things that I laughed so hard, and this has been mentioned to me by several other people about the interview, was that part when I asked him about the critic. Because uh, he, he was speaking about you know really being innovative and creative and mm-hmm. about reaching the young people mm-hmm. and reaching those that are unchurched and also being a student of the world like actually yeah. yes. just just as much as we read the text of scripture we equally so need to read the text of the world of understand the, world. the environment in which we're living in yeah. and I asked him well what about the critic who says that the world is should be avoided and that we shouldn't you know we shouldn't be influenced by the world but we should influence the world and and not learn, but change. And, you know, anyway, I thought his response was so funny. He quoted Dr. Phil, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know I'm going to quote Dr. Phil and say, how's that working for you? Yeah. You know, I thought that yeah. was so cool. Yeah. Met, several people have mentioned that. One thing me. I really appreciated about all the gentlemen you interviewed, your dad mm-hmm. included, is, and I appreciate this about you 
and Jake, <laughs> um, is exactly that. How's it working for you? They they really care mm. about like they wouldn't be sitting with you and talking about this. They wouldn't be um, doing the research that they do. Like it, what's what was good a hundred years ago isn't good enough today. I mean that's obvious. Yeah, it's a different different world. Um, yeah. We all sit here, and this is a reality. You guys feel the same as me. I mean, we are not in a huge corporation. Like, mm-hmm. we are not, like, 99% chance we'll be here in 10 years. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't really have that as a church. Yeah. So, yeah, I just really appreciated their heart on on mm-hmm. these on these brain matters, yes. if you will. And I think it takes both. Anything from uh, the interview with... Senor Kelly Davidson, a man I have deep respect for. Oh man, he's a good—he's a good man, by the way. And he's probably listening to this episode right now because he's a—he's an avid listener. So hello, uh, Kelly Davidson. What really stood out to you with some of his thoughts uh, in the interview that I had with him? I just think about how humble he was. Mm. Yeah, he was so humble. Man, so humble. I mean, if you hadn't started with your dad, I don't know if I would have. Um, listened as as mm-hmm. quickly like uh-huh. I kind of ran to the computer oh, I wow. ran to the phone because uh, simply getting to work with you and being a parent myself um, I have a lot of respect for him having raised um, such a great son but same as Sharon says there's this um, quality that you, you you can't really catch over the computer but somehow y'all did <laughs> and um, it's you know what it is I heard him this is gonna sound stupid but I heard him listening mm. as much as he was answering yes. you. Yes. Wow. Like there's wow. like this inherent value that he gives to all human life. And Man. I just think that shouldn't be so rare, but it is. Yeah. It's like when I was at Panera the other day and I, I thought I was about to overhear a really awkward conversation between what was clearly a managerial position with a, a counter worker mm-hmm. position. Mm-hmm. And I just thought in my head, I'm thinking, why is he doing this out here? He's going to embarrass this gal. And yeah. Gosh, this is so unprofessional. To, and uh, and then I just heard him say, "Well, you know what? That was my fault, and I really want to apologize to you." And I about dropped my wow. fork. And wow. once again, it shouldn't be that rare. It's so rare that my eyes yeah. teared up, wow. and I had to go to him after and say to him, I overheard. I yeah. couldn't help but overhearing, and I just want you to know how nice it was to hear you speaking to this woman with such respect. Mm. And, you yeah. know, that guy got tears in his eyes. This wow. big, you wow. know, tall, professional, you know, and I think that it was, it was just so profound because... We don't see that in our world. We don't even see that on Sunday morning sometimes. Man, that's a sad thing to, We're to realize. We're rushing, rushing, rushing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Sad. Yeah, he is. He's definitely one of my. He is my hero. Uh, a man that I try to emulate to be, and I think you guys nailed it. Yeah, he is very uh, humble. In fact, you know, there are several times where he it's like, "Hey, tell me about the history." It's like, "Hey, you know, I'm not a historian, but I'll tell you yeah, what I know." Yeah, and then yeah. he just found out yeah. this really good stuff. Yeah. And uh, but I did like his his the second in part two. I did like his thought process on what it means to be a restoration movement. Because I think, mm. uh, you know, if you look at the history of how the Churches of Christ and the restoration movement began, it was, you had everyone kind of, people, everyone was a part of a church, mm-hmm. but let's restore it to kind of, almost like a yes. repairing something that's, that's slightly broken in some senses. And I think as America is changing and we're becoming less and less religious as a, oh, in a yeah. population, so we have to redefine what restoration means. Yeah. And restorations 
for a lot of people, it doesn't mean to a slight correction of uh, this interpretation of Scripture is different, or this way to worship is different, or this, you know, this way a uh, view of Jesus should be altered. But really, we're starting from like, restoration has a different meaning uh, yeah. nowadays. And I thought that was an interesting conversation with yeah. him on that one. So a couple more. Uh, what about Dr. Jeremy Hagee? Anything uh, stand out? I didn't listen to that one. Oh, that, no, not yet. Um, was that is that the one that's your friend? Yeah, he, he's a professor of history. Yeah, at I thought I thought that, that was really interesting because I was in some ways listening to kind of like a mirrored image of you. You know, no oh, offense. Oh, like man. I mean, he's a lot smarter than me. You guys are very different yeah. people, but <laughs> a lot of the same background. I mean, yeah. even down to Thailand. Um, you guys where you went to school and then Thailand and I just thought it was so cool the way he said he was um, maybe going to like school in the Northeast like in yeah, Boston. Boston yeah Boston University and that he was getting onto the train and he saw a Nigerian um, yeah missionary, missionary from Nigeria you know and, and then his, his his point was like we're at the point where we need to ask them to come evangelize us. Oh man! You know, yes. for and what one point three million Church of Christ in India and yeah, spouting yeah. off all these numbers. You know who I went? Home, I went home and told Kale that he's like, what? <laughs> well, I didn't know that. And I said, well, what do you think about this thought? This gentleman said that they should come this way, and you know, you yeah. can tell Kale was raised in Church of Christ because he's like, oh well, I would have to. I mean, that sounds great, but I'm sure you know it's like these. And I think it was your dad that said, and I'm not positive, but, you know, we're, we were reading the Bible almost like as America was founded and we're yeah. like this very litigious, like, mm-hmm. but you can't, you can't really, in some ways that's good, but you can't really, you know, read yeah. the Bible like that. Oh man. Yeah. The Bible has been in some ways viewed the same as the constitution. Yes. Uh, in the same way, this is a, uh, a document that we are finding our unity in. But there's a reason, like I think my dad brought it up, there's a reason why there's more lawyers in California than police officers. Yes. Because anytime you, anytime you center and unite yourself around a written document, then the question becomes, how do you interpret the words? And I think sometimes people come at it differently. And that was actually very helpful to me. It, mm-hmm. may, it helped mm-hmm. me kind of put into context a lot of mm-hmm. what my peers or you know my church family yeah oh yeah it helps me to understand them yes right and like that's kind of one thing that i am determined is to not lose my humanity on my way to prove myself that i'm right right Mm. like i don't want to lose relation with people that vote differently than me Wow. i value that person more than i value being right wow more than i value even arguing like Mm -hmm. i just see the importance of people and and I know that a lot of us don't, but I think that we do. I just think that we're not paying attention. Yes, man, that's profound. That's profound. It's like, well, and I think I'm just thinking back to our, our group this morning mm-hmm. in our breakfast devotion. And I was just looking around the table and listening to each individual and how very different mm-hmm. we are and how we all took that one question um, and had different responses. Yes. You know, and that's just, that's life. That's that's what it means to be in relation is to uh, listen to other people's opinions and reasons and sit back and go okay mm. okay yes that's right that's yeah. right because okay. this morning you're talking about this bible study that we were part of and, right. and we read the 23rd psalm and the question after was well what stood out to you and yeah. there was Every, eight people in the room and right. nine different things you know wow. stood out. Awesome. So that was really cool how that one scripture, yeah. it spoke to different people in different ways. And so, you know, th- that's a good point that was brought up that it's challenging 
when the basis of unity is a correct interpretation of a certain verse or scripture. Just can't be. Uh, it's, it's hard, uh, and I think you know maybe uh, moving forward we need to choose something different. Like I think my dad suggested just Jesus. You know, surrounding yourself on the Christ Christology. And, um, yes. I think that was cool. You know, back to Jeremy, Jeremy's art, uh, interview as well, because I was struck by his statistic about how I think people who are involved or who claim to be Churches of Christ in America, I think he gave the number like 1.2 or 1.1 yeah. million. And then he said in India alone, there's 1.3. Yeah. So whereas maybe 50, 60 years ago, the prototype, right, the average, the median, like the average Church of Christ person was a, a middle-class white American yeah now if you were to take the average Church of Christ person in the world it would be maybe a, a woman living in poverty in India yeah. that's a, I mean that's a beautiful thing to think about how it's shifted how the yeah. tides have shifted um, I mean how this has become a little bit more global and I mean, how, what do you guys think about that I mean is it good news bad news I think, you, great news. You think it's great news I think it's beautiful mm-hmm. I think it's what Jesus meant mm. Yeah. I do. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly what Jesus looks like. And I think that's why Jesus gives us grace. Mm. You know, grace is the only thing that you can give that you that you don't need to be given. You know, like Mm -hmm. um, a lot of us growing up, I'm listening to a book right now by a psychologist. And it's it's just talking about what happened to you. And Mm. if you take that you frame it then you can probably understand other people better and um this thought process of walk a mile in someone's shoes um yes and so yeah but you know as we all know um walk a mile in another's shoes that takes work oh yeah it takes work and you have to be willing to put in that work if we had if Mm -hmm. we if we really if we really believe what we say we believe Mm -hmm. now is the time for us to sit down and listen Yes. Um, because people have a lot to teach. I mean, my child teaches me stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if we've done a, such a good job, which it sounds like we have, <laughs> the numbers don't lie. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's the ebb and the flow, you yes. know, and I think that's what all those gentlemen had in common. Yes. They had arrived at this place of like, yeah. I don't. I can't tell you what the next step is, but I. I can tell you we have to change it up. Yes, that's right. If, that's right. If we want to keep doing this thing, and I think Billy was saying, um, mm-hmm. there's like lots of billboards in his hometown right now, and um, you know sometimes Christians we can be so adamant on the things that are wrong, mm-hmm. um, but really mm-hmm. saying that about you know a woman in poverty, like what can we learn from her? I yeah. think I know a lot of people that would say. Oh, that's sweet. You can't teach me anything. And it's, <laughs> there's just yeah. going to be anything further from the truth. Uh-huh. Yeah, especially when Christianity in America has been tied to American exceptionalism. Yeah. I think uh, Jeremy also brought that up as well. Yeah. Just how uh, it's been linked together and some unjustly so. But now kind of seeing that Church of Christ right now become global. I think we have a, an allegiance greater to the kingdom yeah. you know, versus... Uh, uh, of course, we love our countries and, and we support in the best we can as, as citizens, but our allegiance is to a higher calling. Yeah. And I loved it too in that interview uh, with Jeremy about uh, Sarah Andrews, who was a missionary to Japan. Oh, yeah. yes. 
I yeah. did listen to this. I didn't yeah. realize yeah. I had listened to it. Yeah. Yes. And how yes. she started out as yes. assistant to the assistant to the missionary. Yeah. Like that in the office. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then the last thing written about her, they compared her to the Apostle Paul. Apostle yeah. Paul. Can you believe it? Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. I thought that was a cool story just of of just her story in general was kind uh-huh. of interesting to hear. Well, and I certainly had never heard of her, but then you said that you I had ne- I never heard, heard of her. her never heard of her. Yeah, um, I, I doubt anybody who knows who she is. You know, I think yeah. she's not very well known. Yeah. Uh, and so, but I think after that this interview, she might be. So who knows? <laughs> Um, one more interview. I know I'll let you guys go, but you know that interview with Grady King about church governance and leadership. Anything stand out to you on that one? <laughs> well, I thought it was. Um, I mean, now that I, I work in a church, it was especially poignant. Um, I I just he was saying some things that I'm like, wow. How does he know us? Is he talking about Skillman? <laughs> and and what I mean is just. Um, you know, like why is it, why is communication something that we're still struggling with? Mm, um, mm-hmm. And you know, I thought, you guys, this is my, um, um, my, uh, what am I, confession here. I thought I was really gonna be able to fix that when I started working here. No. Like I'm gonna whip this place <laughs> into shape. I'm gonna communicate. Oh, you see this Everyone's kid. gonna yeah. know. And I'm like. What? Oh, man. what? I'm right here. <laughs> what? How did I not know that you were making, you know, so um, yeah. from little things to big things, I found so much truth in what he said. And, um, you know, I want his number so I can mm. call him to come spend some time with us. Yes, uh, he does help churches a lot. Yeah. Share any thoughts from you on, on uh, that interview or, or any of them? No, uh, gosh. Um, I want to go back to Landon Saunders, something that he said about knowledge of text versus knowledge of the world and then he takes off into what he calls entrenched thinking entrenched thinking on subjects like us and them racial issues abortion homosexuality one example he gave was for um he lives in a small town and um and we all know it we all know there's a a big hot button of this abortion for instance okay Mm -hmm. and him saying well, why don't we look at the women that are in these positions and why aren't we trying to love her um, and help her to be the best she can be? Mm-hmm. And then, and you know, we just, it just kind of feels like we got it backwards. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Started off on the wrong foot, you know, yeah. and, um, and how do we course correct that? Mm-hmm. And like, that's why, you know, we're having, it just feels so heavy all the time, right? Like even... In most people, it's like the pandemic is heavy and the racial issues going on right now are heavy. A lot of our eyes have been open to, to realizing our complicit, you know, behavior, mm-hmm. right? It's all heavy. And then and then if you work at a church, and then if you work at a church that's trying really hard to not only stay alive but thrive, yeah, it's exhausting. And I don't, I'm not confused to why people kind of get in their lane and just do yeah. their thing it's yeah. a lot yeah. of it is self-preservation man that's true um but jesus you know he calls us to keep on doing that work when nobody's looking in the middle of the night that integrity uh-huh. um being a kind friend to people that aren't kind to you where mm. else in this world do you see that modeled other than 
I mean, yes. I hope that you see it in your communities, but I mean, I see it the most at church. Like mm. I see myself mm. occupying the same space that otherwise I would never be around some people. And I think that that's, you know, Jesus's way of challenging me to look at my neighbor and see God in them. Mm-hmm. And if I can manage to uh-huh. love these people that are so different than me, yes. then I might have a little more understanding of the gospel. Drop uh-huh. the mic. Dulcinea Lambert. I mean, that's a good way to. She got me going. That's a good way to close it today. Uh, this amazing interview. And before I let you guys go, uh, because you're both very uh, smart women, you're also been listening to these these episodes, and you're a part of this church. What are some questions that you have that you'd like to be addressed moving forward? You guys are a part of a church. Uh, what are some tough questions that we can tackle moving forward with these podcast episodes? What do you want to know? Um, I'd like to see you guys do more of what you have started. Um, I remember two plus years ago having a the first racial um, awareness class in the rotunda. And I remember Dallas May raising his hand and saying, do we have records of what Skillman was doing in the Jim Crow era? Mm. Yeah. Yes. I don't want Jack's or Jax's child to say, I know my mom worked in the office around 2020. Mm-hmm. What were they doing when they killed George Floyd mm. on camera? Yeah, yes. So I want to keep doing that work. I want to keep showing yes. up even at, even at, you know, a personal <clears throat> loss. Like yes. I'm committed. I know you guys are. I'd like to see more of that. And I think that if we create a culture of talking about hard things, and like if you know if you show up at Skillman you might be challenged I think then it's gonna ease into all these other issues which is women's role in the church and mm-hmm. and how do we um, make a young gay child feel welcome uh-huh. well you know like it doesn't have to be one way or the other but how do we yeah. figure out yes. how to love Jesus's children Wow profound yep. That's profound sure what about you anything that you want to well, know yeah I'm just uh spin off of what Dulcinea was talking about when she talked about gay children and making them feel special and wanted and loved. I um, I don't think we talk about this enough, and that's homosexuality. Um, I have my own beliefs. I have many gay friends. Um, and it's very hard for me to think this way, that God does not embrace people in the gay community as beloved children of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is just almost unfathomable to me. <laughs> if we say we want to be like Jesus, you know, what would Jesus do mm. in this situation? Um, I just don't think it gets talked about near enough. I think it's a very uncomfortable topic. And um, I think we need to talk more about it. I love it. I love it. Well, this is why I wanted to talk to these smart women, because they are very smart, very well-spoken, intelligent, and also kind, loving people. So uh, maybe we'll have you guys on again after this next round of interviews and get get your reflections again on some of these interviews and learn from your perspective. But thank you so much on behalf of the many listeners out there. Uh, for on this Churches of Christ podcast series sponsored by the Skillman Church of Christ. Mm -hmm. And we're so thankful for your time and uh, we will see you guys soon, hopefully. Thanks, John Mark. Thanks, John Mark.